It's blazing hot outside. You get in your car to turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows hot air out. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy, all-in-one solution that will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro Recharge Kits. Make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro. You're listening to the MLB Pipeline Podcast with your host, Ed Randall. Hi, everybody. I'm Ed Randall, and welcome to the MLB.com Pipeline Podcast. I'm joined by our draft and minor league experts, Jim Callis and Jonathan Mayo. We welcome you. Uh, Corey Seager, uh, guys, made his Dodgers debut at shortstop Thursday night in San Diego. Two for four, two RBIs, two runs scored, flawless on five chances in the field. Manager Don Mattingly said, quote, he looked good. He looked really good, unquote. That's an understatement, Jonathan. Yeah. Uh, yeah, obviously it's all you can hope for and more other than the fact that they didn't win the game. Uh, but, you know, I, I don't think it's a surprise at all um, that he sort of got there and, and contributed right away and has, and has performed, you know, very well like he belongs uh since since he's been up and and then maybe that's uh you know the benefit of a little extra minor league time uh you know what the dodgers aren't the only organization that likes to wait until a guy is ready to to come up or when they feels ready so he not only gets there but he stays there and contributes and you know i you know as long as he hits he's going to play uh and i think he's going to hit so i think he's going to play you know he plays short and you could slide him over to third uh, at times uh, unless they don't want to mess with a, with a good thing too much but uh, you know for those of us who've been waiting for for him to come up pretty much for the entire second half uh, this is kind of what we, what we expected and I think you're gonna see more of this going forward Jim I happened to be at the game uh, in San Diego and uh, he certainly appeared, from my vantage point, to be very relaxed uh, for a guy making a major league debut. Yeah, I guess that wouldn't surprise me. I mean, if you want to try to read into that, I mean, his brother's been a big leaguer, so I don't think, you know, the big leagues are unfamiliar to him. He probably has a better handle on that. I mean, he can go to his brother and and ask him about his experiences. So I don't think that would be much of anything. Jonathan, I think you're being a little too kind to the Dodgers. Uh, you know, I don't think it was. I don't understand why they waited so long to call him up. Um, it doesn't make sense to me with the way Jimmy Rollins has played not particularly well this season. Uh, I'm not convinced that they were going to call him up before Justin Turner hurt his finger. I think he might still be at Oklahoma City, maybe playing in the in the PCL uh, playoffs or or maybe coming up today. But uh, the the thing that's good since they have brought him up, he has started four of their five games, two at shortstop, two at third. I, I, you know, they, they, I've said this many times on, on many radio shows and podcasts all summer. Dodgers are paying more than $300 million in major league salaries to guys on their team, and guys are picking up the tab on other teams this year. And anything short of a World Series championship is going to be a colossal disappointment. And to that end, I, I would think that you'd want to have your best players on the field. And I think when you watch, you know, Jimmy Rollins is, you know, decrepit old body staggering around the diamond, not not hitting like he has in the past, that you would have had this guy up sooner. I think they're doing the right thing now. I think they're doing the smart thing. Let this guy play regularly. 
find out if he's ready to hit in the big leagues, which so far he, he's hit safely in every one of his starts, doubled in three of them. So far, so good. You know, small sample size and all that. But if he is one of your best players, it would be foolish not to have him on your postseason roster and not to have him in your lineup in October when you're trying to win that World Series. So I'm just glad he's getting the chance now. I know it's easy. You and I both cover prospects, and I, you know, I like prospects as much as the next guy, and I know I probably advocate more on the side of prospects than anything, but I just think it's inexplicable that you wait till September 3rd to find out if Corey Seager can help your team. Now, granted, they're going to win their division regardless, but you know, when the division was tighter during the summer, I just was, was surprised they did not call him up before that. Guys, another uh, call-up, uh, the Chicago Cubs having called up uh, C.J. Edwards, Carl Edwards Jr. Uh, Jonathan, tell us about him. Uh, yeah, he's a, an interesting arm, Ed. Uh, the Cubs got him uh, from the Rangers as part of the Matt Garza trade and uh, had been a starter early on. But if you've ever – anybody who's ever seen him, uh, stuff-wise, I think there wasn't that much question about, well, starter relief. But he is uh, one of the most slender – uh, and maybe Jim will say I'm being too kind. Uh, slender pitchers. <laughs> no, you're being I've accurate there. You're being very accurate. Yeah, he's 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 he's, a, he's one of those guys you see pitch and you want to call Fen on and bring him a sandwich. Um, <laughs> but uh, second coming of Mike Lacoste. <laughs> right, exactly. Yeah, no, he is a uh, he is a candidate to be a Kent Tocoli dance between the the raindrops kind of guy. And um, but the stuff is tremendous. This year, the the Cubs shortened him up and put him in the bullpen with with some good success. Uh, the stuff is going to play up out of the bullpen. I I don't know if he's going to have any major impact uh, between now and the end of the season, other than to to give a, an extra arm to to a bullpen. And listen, everybody's bullpen is, is worn out come September. Uh, you know, I don't care how well you manage it. Uh, so, so to have an extra guy who there's no question that he can get big league hitters out, uh, especially in those, you know, in small doses coming out of the bullpen, uh, whether or not he's one of those guys who get, you know, they try to sneak onto the playoff roster, uh, you know, maybe if he's lights out and it's a K rod kind of thing, uh, I don't know if he's going to get that much of a chance to, to pitch. Uh, but, uh, like I said, at the very least, it, it gives them a, another arm that they can potentially count on to, to get some outs between now and the start of the postseason. Jim, you find him impressive? Yeah, I do. I mean, I saw him a lot in the Fall League last year. You know, I I still think, you know, there are some people with the Cubs who would like to kick around the idea of making him a starter. You just don't know if he's going to hold up. And he, and he had issues in 2014 with a strained right shoulder that they handled very cautiously. He looked very good as a starter. In the Fall League, you know, I think pitch and relief, you're going to get 93, 95 out of him. He, he's got uh, some power and depth to his curveball. Uh, you know, has not thrown a ton of strikes this year in relief. Has missed a lot of bats, but not thrown a ton of strikes, which is why I think they didn't call him up earlier. He, he was on the 40-man roster, so he was an obvious guy to call up. You know, they've got, you know, Rondon and Strope and Justin Grimm have pitched well out of their bullpen. I, I, I would think, I, like Jonathan, I would be surprised if he got an opportunity to do a ton, except you kind of, you know, provide, you know, maybe lessen the stress on the rest of the bullpen at this point. I don't think we'll necessarily see him on the postseason roster. As soon as they called him up, they called up a guy who's not necessarily celebrated as a top prospect, Zach Roscup, who might be the best lefty in their bullpen right now. I mean, he's averaged more than a strikeout per inning. 
in the uh, in the majors. You know, he's been up you know parts of the last three seasons. Uh, and Zach Roscup might might be you know who came up the same day. He might actually be a a postseason piece because you know outside of, of Travis Wood, who's been up and down a little bit. You know, I think Zach Roscup might have the best bat missing ability of any of the lefties they have on that staff. You know, in, in their bullpen. From the Chicago Cubs to Boston, where Jackie Bradley Jr. is staging a revival. He's hot, Jonathan, uh, and yet another productive, impactful young player. It's uh, I don't I want to say it's the the biggest surprise in the world. Uh, you know, we've all liked Jackie Bradley Jr., but given the fact that you know he sort of had faltered his first couple times uh, in the big leagues, granted with, you know, I guess last year he got a good amount of playing time and just didn't hit. There's always been a tremendous defensive center fielder wherever you put him. Uh, the the offensive onslaught is, uh, I know it's it's taken me by surprise. And, you know, just the fact that he's gotten the opportunity, it was a very crowded outfield and, uh, you know, I guess a combination of injuries, lack of production and, uh, and the fact that the Red Sox were out of it really helped uh, helped him get a, a chance to show what he can do, and he's really cementing his uh, himself uh, you know, for a spot in that outfield next year. And you know, it, it's funny how quickly a guy can go from being a top prospect to being you know, close to a I don't know a bust and also ran whatever you want to call it. But he, he's only 25. Uh, you know, so last year when he struggled, he you know he was doing it at age 24. Uh, in the big leagues, uh, so it shows you that you, sometimes patience is, is an important thing. And uh, I, I don't know that he's a a guy who's going to hit 312 with an OPS of over a thousand long term. Uh, but I think if he settles, you know, somewhere in, in the maybe in the mean between the 198 he hit in 2014 and the 312 he's hitting now, and plays the defense he does, he's going to be a very productive regular big league outfielder for the Red Sox. It's been a roller coaster, Jim, for Jackie Bradley Jr., and now he's uh, he's gaining. Yeah, well, I think if you look at Jackie Bradley's history, even going back to South Carolina, he gets in trouble when he tries to do too much at the plate. In 2011, his draft year, he had a wrist injury. He also, uh, that was a year they, they, they toned down the bats kind of from anything goes to the, these really restricted bats. And he got off to a slow start and tried to do too much and really didn't have a very good year, although he did help South Carolina win their second consecutive College World Series. And, you know, here's a guy who, who made the opening day roster in 2013 as a surprise, got a chance to play last year, was, was counted on to replace Jacoby Ellsbury. And both times he struggled. I think he tried to hit for power. He, he, he did not control the strike zone like he has, you know, in, in the minors and when he was going good in college. And, you know, I'm with Jonathan. I mean, he was kind of, you know, got off to a, a slow start. Not a lot of at-bats early, but, you know, was hitting 121 after his first 24 games this year, you know, in about three or four different stints. And it was kind of at the point where you're wondering, okay, is this guy ever going to hit? I actually thought he was going to be a great buy-low candidate for someone. The Red Sox had a million outfielders. I think Jackie Bradley Jr. has a chance to be the best defensive center fielder in baseball if he plays regularly. He, he's that good. He, you know, he, he is one of these guys with an innate gift for, for you know, turning his head back to the plate and running to where the ball is going to land. I mean, he probably takes the best outfield, you know, very aggressive, working on his outfield play pregame. He also has a strong, accurate arm. He, he's got a ton of assists. I think he's the best defensive center fielder. So what Jonathan was saying, I mean, if he hits, if he were to hit, say, 260 
and give you, you know, you know, walk like he has in the minors and maybe be like a 325, 330 on base percentage. With his defense, he'd be a very good big league player. And, and you know, I think it's just I, I don't know what made the light switch go on. And he's certainly not going to keep this up. In his last 25 games, he's hitting 446. He's got an ops of 1441. He's got 24 extra base hits in those 25 games. I mean, he, he's just been on fire, you know, and, he, and he's letting, you know, I don't think he's going to come anywhere close to sustaining that. But, you know, if you believe in this hot streak and think that he's figured something out, you know, maybe he can give you, you know, 280, you know, with a 350 on base percentage and a healthy slugging percentage. And with his defense, that would make him a superstar. So I'd say a lot of things have not gone right for the Red Sox this year. But I think the Red Sox at least have to feel pretty good with the way over the last month or so that that young outfield of Mookie Betts, Jackie Bradley Jr., and Ruzne Castillo has looked, that that gives them something to build around, you know, along with, you know, Xander Bogarts is an outstanding young shortstop, and, and Blake Swihart's improved in the second half, too. So, while well, a lot's gone wrong for Boston, at least I think they have to feel pretty good about where the lineup's headed. Very quickly, I just want to follow up on that. Both of you guys, if you were running the Red Sox, do you move Mookie out of center field because you feel that Bradley is better, uh, superior defensively, Jonathan? Not necessarily. I think you have to go with what you think the best outfield is. I mean, if you flip-flop them, you know, is that, does that make it a better outfield? Uh, you know, I'm not, I'm not really sure, uh, you know, especially if, say, Bradley's you know, – gotten accustomed to playing the green monster things like that i you know uh, and that's just proven to be a pretty good outfielder as well you know even though he's uh, still relatively new to to the position so i you know I, I don't know that you can can go wrong either way um you know maybe bradley's arm is better from a corner and Betts doesn't have the arm for a corner outfield spot yeah, I guess my answer. I have no, like I said before, I have no question in my mind that, that Jackie Bradley Jr. is a better center fielder than Mookie Betts. But Mookie Betts has been pretty good too. I think you know, depending on how you want to deploy these guys, you know, there's something to be said. I mean, that right field is very, you know, once you get away from the pesky pole, right field is very deep at Fenway, and Jackie Bradley on his arm is is very good. So you you could make that argument for there. I mean, I would probably play my best guy in center field, which would be Jackie Bradley. Um, but he's he's played well at all three spots. You you just got to figure it out. You know, I mean, in my mind, I would probably put I would probably put Betts in left, Jackie Bradley Jr. in center, and Rusne Castillo in right. Although, if you wanted to put Mookie Betts in center and Jackie Bradley in right and Rusne Castillo in left, I, I could see an argument for that too. The minor league regular season ended on Labor Day. Uh, Jonathan, uh, we'll be talking about this for a long time, uh, but uh, just off the top of your head, who had the best seasons on the mound and at the plate? Well, you know, on the mound, I think, you know, if I were going to pick one guy as like a pitcher of the year kind of guy, it probably would be uh, Blake Snell, um, the, the Rays organization, the lefty who – really put it all together this year, uh, led the minor leagues in earned run average, uh, was fifth in strikeouts. Uh, he had a 1.41 earned run average. Uh, you know, obviously, he was a, he's a friend of the podcast, FOP, uh, since he joined us early in the year yes, when he was uh, in the midst of that ridiculously long a scoreless streak to start the season. Uh, but what was amazing is that he, he just kept on Pitching well, you know, he started the year in the Florida State League. He moved up to to Double A, 
was fairly dominant there, and then moved up to to AAA and had a 1.83 ERA and nine starts uh, in in Durham, and he, he's ready to contribute uh, at the big league level. It seems to to me, uh, 1.82 batting average against uh, over the, over the three different levels, so extremely difficult to hit. And I think the biggest key for him this year compared to in the past is is command. Uh, it just was so much better, 53 walks and 163 strikeouts, 134 innings. He was durable. He threw a lot more strikes, and the stuff ticked up. So, I mean, that, that's always going to be a combination for success. And, and offensively, I guess uh, I would probably go with A.J. Reed. Um, you know, he started the year in, in the California League, so that always gets a small asterisk by it. But then he kept hitting in double-A and led the minors in homers, runs batted in slugging percentage. So uh, that, that probably would be my tandem. Yeah, he really demolished uh, the Texas League. Uh, uh, Jim, your thoughts on uh, best pitchers, best hitters this past season in the minor leagues? Yeah, I think those are the, the two obvious guys. You know, Snell had the lowest DR, second lowest DRA outside of Justin Verlander, had a one two nine in the last 20, I think 20 or 25 minor league seasons or so, led the minors in batting average against. I think he's a clear choice of pitcher. I'd probably have Jose Barrios, who, who led the minors in strikeouts as the number two guy. Um, and we won't get sidetracked, but I, I don't understand how the Twins are, are you know staying right there in the wild card race and you don't call Jose Barrios up. That's inexplicable to me, but that's another story. And then hitting, I mean, A.J. Reed's got to be the obvious choice. I mean, he led the minors with 34 homers, 127 RBIs, uh, finished fourth in batting at uh, 340, led in slugging at 612, led ops 1044, led in runs. Uh, you know, and part of that, you know, he was helped by playing in Lancaster, but he continued to rake when he got up to double-A. So I, I think he's, he's the clear number one. I'm not even sure who my number two guy would actually be in the minors. It might, I mean, I guess it might be Lewis Brinson, although he you know, only played 100 games, so he didn't have quite the, the, the counting numbers. But, but Lewis Brinson in the Rangers system might be my number two choice. But, but the hitting, it, it's far and away A.J. Reed had the best season. Guys, great. Lots of uh, wonderful information. Thank you both. On behalf of Jonathan Mayo and Jim Callis, I'm Ed Randall. Thanks for listening to the MLB.com Pipeline Podcast.